It's been a joy for me to worship with you these last couple of weeks. Typically, I'm in the other room, and as I walk around, I, there's a whole number of you I don't know. So I'd like to just say welcome, and thank you for letting me be part of your congregation this morning. It's a beautiful thing. So welcome to worship. Uh, I've been asked to introduce Josiah to you. Let me tell you a little bit of a story. Um, I've been one of the pastors here for almost 30 years, and one of the joys of being a pastor for a long time in a place is to watch people grow and become more in Christ. And it's to watch new generations of Christ followers who keep being lifted up. Josiah is a young man who I have known for, I think, seven years now, eight years. He was a Central College student worshiping with us. And, and then he would begin to, we built a relationship. And if I use this phrase, I hope you hear what I'm saying. Josiah carries a unique anointing from the Holy Spirit. Uh, he has made over these last seven years multiple important decisions that young people don't typically make. Very costly, sacrificial decisions. And for that, I am so proud of him and grateful for him. He carries a priestly anointing. Uh, the Josiah in the Bible was one of the great kings of the people of Israel. He carries a kingly anointing, if I can say that to him. But he is so humble. He is a humble man. Give you a story to describe him. A football player for Central College. He was injured his last year. Had to play with an injury. Did not let him do what he had hoped to do and processed much disappointment in that season. And he did it with so much grace and so much dignity and so much honor to Jesus. So Josiah is part of a new generation of young pastors that we are raising up. And I've asked Josiah if he would preach in Advent. And so now I'd like to welcome our brother. So can I just pray over you for just a minute? Is that okay? Come here. Lord, we thank you for this good man. And I thank you for who he has been to me, to the students in the mix and core, the junior high and high school groups. Thank you for the man he has been in relationships. And now we thank you that you're calling him be one who shares the gospel. So would you anoint his lips and anoint our hearts that whatever you have for us today would be wonderfully given and beautifully received. So come Holy Spirit. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Appreciate it. Yes, it is such an honor and uh, privilege to be able to bring the word to you guys today. And I do believe that God has something for each and every one of us today. Um, so I'm expectant and I'm hopeful and I'm excited. But today we're going to start with some neighborhood conversations. We'll go ahead and get the prompt up on the screen and our neighborhood conversations. So find somebody near you. And what is the best and worst gift that you've ever received? All right. Three, two, one, go. All right, let's go ahead and bring it back in. Let's go ahead and bring it back in. Does anybody have any, any stories from either a greatest gift ever or maybe a worst gift ever that they want to share? Yeah.
Now that's that's a gift. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Well, when I was 10 years old, at about this time of year, there was one thing that I wanted for Christmas, and it was the Nintendo GameCube. Now, for those of you who are a little bit older than me, you might not know what that is. And also, for those of you who are a little bit younger than me, you might not know what that is either, because it was kind of a niche um, gaming system back in the day. So if you're older than me, maybe you're from the, the Sega or Atari or Nintendo 64 era. Um, and if you're younger than me, then well, you certainly don't play the GameCube now. <laughs> but gosh, when I was 10, I wanted the GameCube so bad. So going into that season, you know, I was 10. So I figured that maybe this was the year I was, I was becoming a man at 10. And I figured that maybe this was, this was the year that my parents, that they would allow me to be able to have my own gaming system. Because my friends, they all had theirs, and I figured this was maybe the chance. So I, I asked, and I asked, and I asked, and I asked. And I, I with hope, I, I sought that maybe this would be the year. So on Christmas morning, um, the moment of truth, I came down the stairs, and I looked, and you guys know the moment when, when you're a kid, and you come down, and you see all the presents, and you're kind of playing it cool. You're kind of walking. You're kind of scoping it out to see, like, you know, that one that's a little too big. That one, that one probably isn't it. Or, or this one, it's a little too small. But maybe, maybe, maybe that one's not it. But, but that one right there, this one, this one, is, this could be the one. You shake it a little bit and see what's going on. But the moment of truth finally came. I opened the gift. And lo and behold, if I can get it out of there, it was the GameCube. Best Christmas ever. Best Christmas ever. So fast forward another six months, and at this point, I was turning 11. So if I wasn't a man at age 10, 11, this was certainly the time. And I had crazy expectations for what I was thinking I was getting for my 11th birthday. You know, lots of things. I figured maybe I uh, would get a new game, maybe a new controller or something for my new GameCube or even if I played my cards right, maybe I'd get a whole other gaming system with any luck, with any luck. So kind of the same deal. I, I get the gift, and I'm, I'm all excited about it, and I go to, to open it up. And what do I pull out but a Bible? Oh, okay, <laughs> don't need this. Or uh, a Bible cover. Oh, okay, okay, Mom. There's nothing else in there. <laughs> I, uh, I so, uh, you know, you talk about being a man. I think the mark of maturity is really letting, like, even if you're not so thrilled about a gift, to really um, not discourage the person that gave you the gift and still act like, you know, this was a good gift. I did not prove myself to be a man that day. I, uh, <laughs> I let them know my opinion about the gift. And for those of you, I was a pastor's kid. So for those of you, you know, I'm sure there's some of you out there that also have experienced the gift of getting like a Bible or a Bible cover or something when you were young and maybe not being so fired up about it. However, though, you know, as, as time marches on, that GameCube, until this week, the last time that I had probably touched that was seven years ago, eight years ago. And, you know, if you had offered me that day when I got it, like $1,000, I probably would have taken the GameCube, if I'm being honest. Where now, if I were to try to sell that, I mean, I would maybe have to pay you some money to take it from me, if I'm being honest. Where, as far as the Bible goes, you know, if you were to give me a fresh ESV, extra space in the margins, maybe some sermon notes on the bottom, 
That would fire me up. That would fire me up today. So that's going to get us to our sermon and sentence, and we'll go ahead and get it on the screen. Sermon and sentence is, a gift's value is based on my perception and the timing of the gift. So as far as perception goes, you know, my perception at the time was that the, uh, the Bible was a stinky gift. I didn't like it. And the GameCube was awesome. But as time advances, you know, we can't control the timing of, of gifts that we receive. However, our perception over time as we gain perspective changes. So, yeah, as we, as we grow and as we continue to change, our perspective changes and we see value differently. So if you have your Bibles here today, I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 39, and we'll go ahead and get into our sermon text today. But before we do that, I would love to kind of set the scene for us a little bit as what's been happening in Luke 1. And in the prior, the prior verses before this, the, uh, the angel Gabriel, he came to Mary and he told Mary that, Mary, you're going to have a son and his name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be son of the most high and he's going to be Lord, or the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary was obviously a little freaked out because, you know, she's a teenager. She was a virgin, wasn't married. And she asked the angel, like, how, how is this possible? Like, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. And Gabriel, he replies and says, you know, that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and that's how this is going to happen, and that your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, who was once barren, is also pregnant. And this, this, this is to show that with God, all things are possible. And Mary's response here at the end, I, I love, and it says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. So that's kind of setting the scene for what's happened so far in Luke to get us where we are now. But before we, before we proceed, I really just want to kind of elaborate on some of what we, just, what we just talked about. And especially for Mary, the hardness of what that situation is. Uh, if you've when I, when I read this story a lot of times, I, um, it's pretty easy for me to just be like, oh, it's just a cute story. Like, this is just part of the process of Jesus coming. But this, this decision by God to Mary had real-life consequences. It had real-life consequences that were hard. So you think about Mary. She's a, she's a teenager. She's not married. What are, what are her friends going to say? What are her family going to say? Is she going to get kicked out of the house? What's, what's Joseph, her, her fiancé, going to say? Are they, are they going to respond well? I'm sure that morning that Mary did not think that she was going to wake up and be on the, the TV show Teenage and Pregnant, the Galilee edition. So, you know, it's just a hard, a hard deal just from a, a social standpoint. And, you know, like how, how are people going to react to this whole thing? Um, another thing is how would her body respond? You know, in Genesis the Lord, as part of the consequence of the fall, for, for a woman, he made the, the childbirth be a hard process. And I'm not going to act like I know anything about that, because I don't. But he made that a hard process. And I can only imagine if you're a teenage girl and your body is not fully developed to, to take on whatever that trauma could be like, that there's going to be some challenges there too, and that's going to be really hard. So there's that, that aspect of it as well. And then from an even more serious note, uh, from a cultural standpoint, Jesus told, a, there was a story in, in John chapter 8 where the woman was caught in adultery. And the, for those who don't know, 
the Pharisees brought a woman before Jesus who was caught in adultery, and they wanted to kill her. They wanted to stone her. They wanted to get Jesus' opinion about that. So, you know, would that be how, how her community would respond to this? So for Mary, there are real-life consequences to this that, you know, without sitting and thinking about it, you know, it, it changes my perspective on, on what this whole story even looks like, which makes Mary's faith in the midst of this all the more striking to me. You know, Mary, Mary says two things in that, that prior passage, and she says, you know, how is this possible, like, just from a realistic standpoint, how is this going to work? And then at the end, she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she has a servant mentality, a mentality of faith. Maybe she's not super thrilled about what she's getting into yet, but, you know, she has a mentality of faith. And that's going to go ahead, and we're going to go ahead and get into our sermon passage for the day, starting in verse 39. Um, and we're going to have Mary go and visit uh, her, her aunt Elizabeth, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, remember that in the prior passage that the angel told Mary that Elizabeth was also pregnant and that Elizabeth was once barren. So um, I think it's important to note that Mary in those days arose with haste to go see Elizabeth because she wanted to figure out what was going on. She wanted, she wanted that confirmation of the truth, and I think that's, that's okay. Um, continuing in verse 41 as she gets there, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Continuing in verse 46, and Mary responded and said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So there's a lot that changes there in her perspective over that time, right? And, you know, some striking things that stick out to me in that passage is there is no way that Elizabeth would have ever known that Mary was pregnant. There's no way. And in fact, looking at the, at the text so far in Luke, we don't even know that anybody else knows, you know, it says that Mary was told about this and then she went up and went to go see Elizabeth. So we don't even know that Joseph knows yet. And so there's no way that Elizabeth would have known that Mary was pregnant. And when we also think about, when we also think about Elizabeth, um, you know, she was pregnant with John the Baptist, who, uh, for those who don't know, John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for the Lord. He was sent um, to, he had a holy anointing on his life as well. And there's also no way that Elizabeth would have known this about John the Baptist either because earlier in Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel came to her husband, Zechariah, and told him, and he did not respond with faith. So they told Zechariah that he was gonna not be able to talk until, she, until uh, the pregnancy was over. So as far as Elizabeth knows, she's just gotten lucky and she's pregnant and it's a gift from the Lord, which just makes it all the more striking, the response out of all this. And you know, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and blesses Mary. And yeah, there's no way Elizabeth would have known. Um, 
And I think it's also important that sometimes we just need a friend to speak truth into our life in hard situations. And I think the Holy Spirit chooses different ways to do that. But I think there's a a striking component with community where God is gonna use each and every one of us to speak to each other, which I think is just beautiful. And this is a perfect example in this passage of this. But with Mary, what, what changes here? You know, how does she go from a point of thy will be done to a point of, of rejoicing and joy and singing and all these, all these things that, that she goes through? And I really think what changes here is her perspective. And as we go back to, to our sermon in a sentence, our perspective has the ability to change on things even if our timing doesn't. And I think the Lord uses different ways to change things in our perspective to see the true value to see the true value of the gift in the long run. We cannot control the timing of our circumstances. However, our perspective and perception of things can be changed. God used Elizabeth and John the Baptist to change Mary's perspective. Mary was still going to be obedient and believe that these things would happen to her, which I think is important to note. She still had the faith in the long run, still believed. However, she now had a spirit of joy and rejoicing about it in spite of what the timing was. And she truly recognized the gift. So I think that God is, he, he longs to use his Holy Spirit to interact with us in new, new and exciting ways. And he wants us to, he wants to meet us in those situations where we have a circumstance or something that might not feel like a gift. And he wants to meet us in those things and give us comfort and peace within that. And so while, while God used this to change Mary's perspective, Luckily for us, he uses multiple different ways to change our perspectives. Um, you know, we don't need John the Baptist to try to dunk a basketball in, in Mary's womb to get our attention. So God is going to use different ways to speak to us in different, different seasons. And yeah, I just think that's really, really interesting. And as you look in the Bible, there's multiple different examples of that. He spoke to Elijah in a whisper. God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. And he also even wrestled with Jacob. So God is going to interact with each of us on a specific level. And it's, it's important for us that, you know, we, we have our eyes up to see that we're walking with the Holy Spirit and we can even have the ability to see what's, what God is trying to do in our lives. So, yeah, God's going to interact with each of us differently. Uh, what, what lessons can we learn from, from this story? This brief little story that, you know, is only a few sentences long. And lesson number one that I think is important for us to learn is we need to have faith. So Mary, you know, even before her perspective was changed, she still, still had faith. My favorite verse from, from this whole, whole passage is the verse that is, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So even in the midst of the hard stuff, Mary still she still held fast that the Lord was going to be faithful to her and was going to, going to make things happen for her in her life. And yeah, even before her perspective was changed, what I just think is so striking, we can learn a lot from Mary in that where, you know, we can't control a lot of things. Really what it comes down to, we can control our attitude and our effort in life and everything else is just kind of stuff that happens to us and how we respond. So it's just striking to me the faith of Mary, how she was able to remain steadfast to the Lord in the midst of all of that. And, you know, a challenge, a challenge that I have for us is, do we know the promises of the Lord? Do we know what he has for us? 
because, you know, faith is really, it's holding to something. It's holding on to something and trusting that something is going to happen. So if we, in this, in this wonderful, wonderful book, God has given us a plethora of promises and gifts for us that are for us to own because we're in Christ. And, you know, if we don't, if we don't know these, it is impossible for us to even have faith in the midst of those because we need to have something that our eyes are set on that we're holding to. So a challenge for us, do we, are we in the word? Do we know what God is trying to say to us? Do we know, do we know Romans 8.28 that God is working all things for our good and for his glory? Do we know Psalm 23? Do we know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Do we know these promises of the Lord for us? Because if we know these, I think that that is crucial for us in the long run. So yeah, the second, the, second, uh, the second lesson that we can learn from this is that God can and God will use any means to change our perspective. And he's gonna be faithful to us to accomplish that. And like we said earlier, you know, I'm sure Elizabeth did not expect that God was going to speak to her, and excuse me, not Elizabeth, Mary, that God did not expect that Elizabeth was going to speak to Mary in that way. And that, um, you know, John the Baptist was going to jump in her womb. That, that was something crazy and outlandish. So for us, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and those around us are filled with the Holy Spirit, do we have our eyes up to see the ways that God is going to interact with us and the way that he is going to ultimately speak to us in the long run? Because I think, I think God loves to interact with us in new and special and exciting ways, um, ways that are specific just to us. So we need to know the promises of the Lord. We need to have our eyes up to see. And then lastly, I think lesson number three is that even if things don't feel like a gift, God is going to meet us in the midst of those things. So at first for Mary, this did not feel like a gift, I'm sure. You know, as we talked about, there's a lot of real life consequences for what was going on there. And, you know, God met her in the midst of that and gave her joy, gave her peace, gave her comfort. You know, a story in my life is I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I switched jobs. So I was going to have two weeks where I was going to be a free man and have no responsibilities. And for those of you that have been in the working world for a while, you know that that does not come around often, where you're going to have two weeks of fun, two weeks of fun in the sun, going after it, and... You know, I had so many things that I was just delighted to do um, during those two weeks. I was going to, it was Thanksgiving, so for one, I was going to go visit some, some old friends that I haven't seen in a while. I was going to go hang out with my family, go eat lots of great food, do all this. Uh, I'm a big Iowa State fan, so Iowa State was playing on that Friday. I was going to go tailgate, watch the Cyclones whoop up on TCU, go hang out with my friends, go to that. I also played ball at Central College, and the Dutch were having a great season, and they were hosting a playoff game that weekend. And I was fired up to go see my college friends, go watch some of the guys that I still played with, go be a part of this and get to have this experience. And then that following Sunday, I was, I was going to go lead worship um, here at church. And, you know, as far as a, a week of highlights for me, that's pretty good. I was really looking forward to all of that. Unfortunately, that Wednesday, I was struck down with an illness that, you know, never figured out what it was. But, you know, I had a, almost 104 fever. I was bedridden, couldn't talk, and, yeah, felt miserable. So in, 
in an instant, all those things that I had wanted to do over my Thanksgiving time, over my two weeks off, were gone. Which, to put it plainly, sucked. It was a bummer. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, was, it, was, it was sad, and I was, you know, I, it's hard to have unmet expectation. You know, and we realize that. It is. Um, and on, on Thanksgiving morning, I uh, was sitting in my chair upstairs. All my roommates, they had gone to go visit their, their families as they should. And um, so I'm sitting, feeling terrible in my house, um, sitting by myself and really kind of licking my wounds and feeling sorry for myself. And I felt a prompting from the Lord, a prompting from the Holy Spirit to, you know, slow down, write a list of things that you're thankful for. Write a list of things you're thankful for. And so I kind of begrudgingly, I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And so I wrote down, it took five minutes, wrote down a list of 20 things that I was thankful for. And my perspective was totally flipped. God met me in the midst of that to show me things that, you know, it's, while this isn't great, it's not as bad as it seems. And, you know, I still got you. And, you know, through that time, spending that time by myself, I was able to have special moments of intimacy with God that I wasn't able, wouldn't have been able to have without that. So while it's okay to have those unmet expectations and those things that you wanted to have happen, you know, God is ultimately going to redeem all things. And he's going to use things, like I said in Romans eight twenty eight for our good and for his glory. So God's going to meet us in the midst of those things. And he met me, and even in the midst missed expectations, he, he gave me the gifts of comfort, peace, and his presence in the midst of all of that. So I really do firmly believe that God wants to meet all of us in this season. I think Advent is a special time ordained by the Lord, um, the coming of Jesus, where there, there are times where he wants us to slow down and really smell the roses, as it were, smell the flowers. And God has certain gifts that he wants for each of us in this season, whether it's just his presence or a changed perspective or all these things. So for us, what are practical ways that we can make room for a changed perspective this season? And we'll go ahead and go to the next slide. There we go. And step number one is we need to slow down. And I really think a practical step for us in this season is we need to guard our Sabbath. And one thing that I have loved about third in the midst of this season um, over this last year is we've really emphasized the importance of a Sabbath. And, you know, Jesus told us that the, uh, that man is not made for Sabbath. Sabbath is made for man. And that is really just a gift for us that we get to experience. And, you know, through the midst of the Sabbath, that's the times where we get to slow down and really have those intimate moments with God that allow for a changed perspective. And, you know, how do we even know what our situation is if we can't even see it? If we have too much stuff going on, it's so easy in our, in our culture to, you know, we just busy, 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 and we just live and do, do whatever. I think, I think for us, it's really going to be important, not even just in this season, but as we go forward, in order for us to be the salt and the light of the world, we really need to guard our Sabbath and guard our, our time alone with the Lord, because um, he wants to meet us there. He wants to recharge us. He wants to realign us with his spirit during those times, and the, the other thing that I want us to do today, and I want us to actually do this today, is there's an exercise that I really love. It's called the RPMs, which it's an acronym that stands for relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. 
And really what RPMs are is it's an audit of your, your overall being of where you're at. So what you do with those four things is you, um, so for example, you start out with relationally and you ask yourself, all right, how am I doing relationally? On a scale of one to 10, what's, how are my relationships in life doing? And that can be any relationship you have. You rank it and then you put a direction that it's trending and you think about, okay, well, how can, how can we get better in this area? And what I love about the RPMs is it, is it gives us a sight into our lives to see where things are at. And it's a good practical tool to see what's going on. And last week, uh, Pastor Tom, he left us with a vision of crawling into that tent with Jesus and meeting with Jesus in that time. And that's what Advent is for. And what this is for us is it's a tool about something that we can talk with, with the Lord. And he can meet us there. And, you know, as we would look with Mary, uh, as we bring it back to the original story, you know, relationally with Mary, if she, were, if she were to do an audit of where she was at, relationally, you know, how were things with Joseph, her family and her community in the midst of, of the news from the angel? You know, physically, um, could she potentially be getting kicked out of the house? You know, could, with the pregnancy, her body changing and all these things, mentally, a loss of dreams, what will, what will people say about this situation and then spiritually, you know, confusion with the interaction with the angel. I'm sure she never had an interaction like that with an angel before. So just, is God still for her in those moments? So what I actually want to do is I want to take five minutes and we're going to get some music on. And if you need something to write with or get your phone out to take notes or anything like that, that's great. Or if you just want to sit and meditate. But I want, I want each of us to go through those four things so we can tell where we're at um, I once had a wise person tell me that if there's something that you can do on a Sunday, do it, do it on a Sunday. So we're going to do it now. Um, so I want to take yeah, five minutes, do an audit of our, our relationships, how we're doing physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, and yeah, go into that tent with the Lord and go meet with him during this time.